Hey, teacher friends, Noelle here, popping in before the episode to make sure you know about our new math membership, All Access. All Access is a membership for middle school math and Algebra 1 teachers that provides ready-to-go resources that are aligned to the standards, engaging, and rigorous, so that you're not constantly reinventing the wheel or scouring the internet to find the materials you need. We are excited about the community that we are building with like-minded educators and supporting the work that you are doing in the classroom. Now, you might be asking yourself, what makes All Access different? And I think the biggest difference is the new student video library that we will begin rolling out in September. You can find out more about All Access and watch several videos on how it works by visiting maneuveringthemiddle.com slash all dash access. Okay, let's get to the show. Good morning, teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. Good morning, teachers. You're listening to episode number 20. Last week, we talked about video lessons and if they were here to stay, and I think we came to the conclusion that they probably are, but likely in a different way than we were utilizing them this past school year. Today, I am so excited to kick off our summer series of teacher spotlights. Throughout the summer, I'm going to be interviewing teachers who are just making incredible impacts in their classroom and with their students. And I know one of my most favorite things, and hopefully yours too, is to hear how other teachers run their classroom, what they use, the success that they have. I find it so encouraging, and I hope that it's encouragement to you as well. Jody Rakowzen runs a self-paced classroom, and she is going to be chatting with us about how she uses maneuvering the middle resources and the grid method to give her students autonomy. If you don't know about the grid method yet, you can get caught up by going to episode number eight to learn more. And if you're new to Maneuvering the Middle, then you can go to maneuveringthemiddle.com, check out our blog and our shop and all of our math resources that we provide to teachers and students. So let's go ahead and jump in. Jody, thanks so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you. for. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jody, we're super excited to have you here. I know lots of teachers want to know about the grid method and how you've been using it and implementing it in your classroom. But before we dive into that, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your teaching experience and kind of your background? Yes. Um, I live in Billings, Montana. Um, I was raised here, grew up here. I several years ago had the opportunity to teach at the middle school I went to school at. Um, I taught there for 10 years and then I took 10 years off to stay home with babies and wait for them to get into school full time. And now I am back into the teaching world, just getting ready to start my fourth year um, at the school that I'm at now. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. And remind us what you teach. I teach sixth and seventh grade math. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, again, we really appreciate it. Um, So this whole conversation kind of started in our Facebook group um, several months ago about the grid method and just what is it? And 
you know, does it work and how do you use it and how does it work with maneuvering the middle resources? So Jody was super helpful in the group. And so why don't you just kind of give us an overview on what the grid method is um, and share a little bit about that for us. Okay. Um, so it is a mastery learning platform or framework, if you will, um, that students work on at a self-paced manner, in a self-paced manner. They um, have the opportunity to meet all of the standards and master all of the standards while working at their own pace. Um, I discovered it during COVID last year, trying to teach remotely and, and just kind of, okay. it just grew from there. Um, and I jumped in full steam. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So you kind of tried it out last spring and then decided to keep going forward in the fall. Yes. Yeah. I, I knew um, that we were going to have some challenges with um, whether or not we were going to be in the classroom or not. So I wanted to do my best to prepare uh, for mm -hmm. potentially working remotely again. And the grid method fit perfectly with maneuvering the middle and what I wanted to do with my students. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's kind of jump into some more specifics, if you will. Um, I'm thinking about teachers that are listening and they're probably asking themselves some questions. So what is it? Um, how do you, how did you get started? Like what were some of the first steps that you had and what did you think about when you were planning for this? Um, so I knew that I wanted to reach more of my students on a one-to-one -one basis. And I think a lot of times people feel like, um, having a flipped classroom, if you will, makes it so that um, there's less time for teachers to teach because the students are just doing their own thing. Um, I wanted to have more one-on-one -on -one time with my students, and this was a great way to do that. I, um, I felt like I could give the attention to the students that I needed at that time while not mm -hmm. holding any of my students who are understanding what was going on back. They, they could work at their own pace and then I could utilize them as well. Yeah, no, I think that is such a unique thing about, um, you know, I, I love working with small groups and I think what you said is so key. Everyone is at different places and, and that can vary in the content. Like, you know, you could have students who are really excelling in one unit and then we get to a different unit and they're, you know, needing some more support. And so I think the idea that it provides a little bit of flexibility for your students is, is really, really key. So that's for sure. awesome. Um, and I know, I know you use our curricula with the grid method. So maybe just walk us through kind of just sharing a little bit about how that works and how you do that. Okay. Well, for those who aren't really familiar with the grid method, it, um, the way that the framework looks is an actual grid. And so there are different mm -hmm. levels to the grid. Um, and so the maneuvering the middle just fits seamlessly with it because what I have done with my grids is I just use each section of the curriculum as one component of the grid. Sometimes I'll use like a standard that we're covering and that will be one level of my grid, but it just depends on the unit and the pacing that I need and things like that. But the materials that maneuvering the middle provides just fit right in with each section that I'm creating in my grid. Okay. Awesome. And for those of you who are listening that maybe would like a little more on like the basics of the grid, we did an episode, episode number eight, and then there's also a course, correct, Jody? that um, I think, I believe they have a free course. And then we also are 
team, some of our team went through the paid course just to kind of familiarize Mm -hmm. ourselves with it. And so um, you can check out episode eight where we actually interviewed Chad and he kind of talked a little bit more of just generally what it is with the standards. Yeah. And the the free course is awesome. The paid course is awesome. But um, they also have a Facebook page and their team is so helpful and so willing to share and jump right in and help you out if you have any questions as well. That's awesome. That's really great to know. So, so check that out if you're listening and you kind of want to know more, but essentially we're talking about the grid and the grid is based on levels of understanding, correct? correct. Yes. You have different and, targets for each level. Mm-hmm. And so you're taking a unit and a standard and just kind of plugging it into the grid on the different um, components of what our resources have building up to that standard, essentially. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. So for all of you who are listening, you're trying to visual, visualize this, you know, really l- literally think of a grid and then think of how a student might progress. And so a student progresses through the entire grid, but just at a different pace. Is that, that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yep. And okay, I had some who were ready to be done with the grid where some were still just on the first level. So it can be a little tricky to manage at times, but, um, I feel like there was just so much more buy-in with the students because they were in control of how quickly they could or didn't have to move on. Um, So so I thought that that was really helpful for giving them accountability. Okay. Okay. So let me jump to that because I think that is a really great point that students have more buy-in and they are more excited um, because they're either getting the support they need or not, not being held back and able to kind of move on from there. So let's talk about that though. Cause I know people who are listening are like, well, but everyone would be in a different mm-hmm. place. How do you, how do you kind of handle that? So at the beginning I did just kind of let them go and, and strictly work at their own pace. And I just gave a final assessment date where everybody needed to be here by this certain time. Um, mm-hmm. As the year progressed, because I was still learning with the grid as well, I had to start putting some smaller deadlines kind of on my students and say, by this date, um, I, my hope is that you're here. And if I could see that they were not going to make that, that, that told me that it's not because they weren't working and maybe it was. And so they needed to be, have a conference and, you know, talk to them about being on task, but mostly those ones that were not able to move at a faster pace, obviously they needed some intervention of some sort. So it it gave me the ability to see where they were at on every day and determine who needed intervention and who didn't. And um, that way we were ending almost at the same place with everybody in the class. So it worked out. And I I would provide um, extended lessons for those who had moved on and were past where the other ones that were struggling were. Okay. So I I think those are great learnings. And I think I love... You know, I love talking to teachers because we as teachers are reflective. So you tried something at the beginning and as you became more comfortable with it, you're like, you know what, the, adding these extra checks would not only support the students, but help keep everyone moving. Right. Um, so I think that's really wise of you. Um, and the the concept behind the grid is that students are like the, the terminology or what I know they use with their um, like Chad and the team use is mastery learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and could you kind of dive into that for teachers that maybe are unfamiliar with that? Well, the best way that it was described to me is that, you know, when you have a baby who is learning how to walk, um, Mm -hmm. they can't run before they walk. They have got to learn how to walk before they can run. And 
I just think that that analogy is so key for our students because we can't just say, well, I'm out of time because you didn't master, you know, the division of fractions. I got to move on because I have a deadline to meet. So we're just going to go ahead and go over here and we're going to start doing some other concepts and just hope you pick up and figure it out on your own. Um, that's mm-hmm. just so unfair to our students. And um, mastery learning says that before the students move on, they will master the standard or the concept that you are teaching. And um, people have different levels of mastery. I usually use that 80 to 85% depending on okay. on the information that we're um, learning about. But um, some people will use 90. I think it just Every teacher has to assess their students and see where they're at and make it work for them. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm sorry, because I think I'm jumping all over the place, but you are saying things that I'm like, oh, that was a question. So one thing that came up in the group that kind of you reminded me of is that when you said every teacher has to assess for their own students, one thing that kind of came up in the Facebook conversation was you know, the idea of sharing grids, like, oh, if we make a grid can I use it? And a lot of people pointed out, like, you really want to make the grid for your students and try and, um, you know, be specific to the needs of your students. And would you agree with that? I do. I think that it's always good to have, you know, like a framework to, to go based Mm -hmm. off of, but, um, my students are very different than students who live, you know, on the East coast right now. My students are all in person right now versus remote learning. So, how my grid looks is not going to necessarily be the same or the most beneficial to students in other parts of the country. Sure, sure. I agree with that. And I, I think that's, you know, it, you're, like you said, it's nice to start with a framework and start with a baseline mm-hmm. to kind of adjust for your students. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about the, what the grid method is, how you've incorporated it. Um, what would you say like a typical classroom day looks like for you? If I was a student in there, what would that look like for me? So um, that changed from the beginning of the year to the end for a couple of reasons, because at the beginning of the year, um, you know, our goal was to stay in person and to keep our kids healthy. So we had very, very strict social distancing rules. We were masked up all year, except for the last two weeks of school, which was awesome. But um, at the beginning of the year, because of the restrictions we had, they were strictly doing grid work. But even just through the first grid that we were working on, I could see with questions that they would have and they would be asking me that I needed to stop because when my top students are asking these questions, chances are the rest of the class is going to have the same questions. So then it evolved into doing when I would get certain questions the next day I would do a mini lesson before they would start on their grid and just say, hey, this is going to be a short 10-minute mini lesson on this concept so that you can move forward successfully. Um, that evolved more then because I was kind of feeling like I wasn't, you know, we had masks on and I wasn't able to do group work and I wasn't able to... Um, communicate with my students the way I love to communicate. I love collaboration and things like that. So I was feeling like I was missing out on getting to know my students. So we started doing more of a kind of a do now, just like a two question do now um, from maneuvering the middle. That was an awesome, Mm -hmm. awesome resource that I would use every day. And we would only do like two questions a day, but it gave me an opportunity to just open up the class, come together as a class, talk about the same exact problems before they moved on and then did their grid work and started working on their own. 
Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I um that that totally makes sense. And I know these restrictions have been so challenging. I am sure you are so excited to um start the year in a just completely different yes, place. So for sure. I'm excited for you as well. Um so while the kids are working on their grids, are you pulling small groups? Are you walking around and giving support? What does your role look like during that time? Um, both. So I am fortunate enough that I've got a panel in my room and someone on the Teach Better team or someone who was working with Grids showed an amazing, they called it a master tracker. And it's just uh-huh. color coded and it's got the student's name up there. And so they mark, like, if they have a question that they need answered right now, they make their square red. And, you know, if it's something they just need me to sign off on, then, you know, it's a different color. So I can easily look at that and say, oh, I need to go over here and I need to work with them. Um, If I find that I've got like a small group of students who are moving a little slower in the grid and they're all in the same place on the grid, I might pull them now. I couldn't at the beginning of the year, but now I can pull them and conference with them um, and work on whatever concept is kind of holding them up a little bit. Okay. Okay. Gosh, it's so crazy that, you know, I'm glad you were able to do those small groups. Yes. Um, okay. So one thing that I'm just wanting to visualize, and maybe people who are listening are also thinking about this. Um, I understand the color coding system, you know, red, I need help or green, I'm doing fine. How are you keeping track of where students are in the grid? Like, how do you manage, you know, this student is, you know, on level you know, at the beginning or how, how do you, how are you monitoring that? Um, so at the end of every level of the grid there, and and maybe even at the end of every section of a level on Uh the grid, um, there's conferencing that's kind of built in there. And even if it's just Mm -hmm. like a short little assessment, but I have, I'm still old school. I'm not totally, totally digital. I just have like a little (laughs) checkoff list for myself so I can look and see very easily, but also that master tracker that they're at, they mm-hmm. mark off when they are done with a section on that master tracker too. So they're keeping track. They know where they're at. I can see where they're at, but I've also got my little handy dandy handwritten uh, checkoff list yep. too. So. Yes. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, awesome. Okay. Let me see this. Um, how, okay. So if I'm a teacher listening to this podcast and I'm, my interest has been peaked, right? What would you say would be my next steps in order to make my classroom more self-paced? Um, I would definitely say go to the teachbetter.org website and and mm-hmm. first start by doing that um, free course that they offer because yes, yes. it is just such a great explanation. Um, social media has just search grid um, the grid method on social media and there's a bunch. There's even a grid sharing um, Facebook page where teachers will post uh, grids that they've created for, you know, different subject areas and different levels. So um, I would start there and then um, talk to somebody who's done it. And, and just, I mean, I, I feel like teachers are our best resource. We, when we don't get an opportunity to communicate, then we're all trying to reinvent the wheel and we don't need to, we can, we can do big things when we work together. Okay. Very good. I love that. Yes. Talk to someone who's done it before. Um, and then what about someone who's listening who already owns the maneuvering the middle resources and maybe that's something they've been using for a while. How, how would you encourage them to kind of transition to that 
grid method model? Or is there anything that you like took away? Like, oh, I'm so glad I did this um, to make that transition a little more seamless. Um, well, I th- maneuvering the middle just fits so seamlessly with it as as it is. But there are also so many other resources that maneuvering the middle provided. Um, the digital resources that that you can access on Teacher Pay Teacher or through the website were amazing. But um, some of those performance tasks that you have and mm-hmm. the different activities, I loved to sprinkle those into my grid just to to review or just to give them extended lessons, things like that. So um, there's just so many resources that Maneuvering the Middle provides that just fit seamlessly into the grid. Okay. Awesome. Well, I love that tip of the performance task as, you know, and then some of those activities. And I think, I think that's one thing when we think about self-paced, sometimes at least me, sometimes I'm like, oh, kids are kind of working all on their own, but they can do some collaborative activities, like you said, and we can incorporate those, um, which we know is good for Mm -hmm. kids and, you know, good for a, a positive learning environment and just a different opportunity to interact with content. So I like that. Um, I like kind of the way that you reminded us of that, that self-paced doesn't have to be by yourself. Correct. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, very good. Very good. And then uh, lastly, what, what changes do you think you'll make this year? Are, are you going to make any changes based on what you've learned this past year and you know, you're in year two. So uh, of using the, Yes. Well, I think that, and, and I also have the benefit of having seventh graders that I had as sixth graders. So they're already familiar with the grid. They're already going to know. So I don't have to spend as much time teaching them how to use the grid. Oh, that's wonderful. So yes, that's going to yes. save me a lot of time. But I also know through having them what worked and what didn't work, what tweaks I needed to make, you know, the, where I needed to sprinkle in those mini lessons, um, mm-hmm. And now I know I can even do some of those mini lessons pre-recorded, so that I can throw those into the grid so the students don't have to wait for me to get to those questions being answered. So, um, and the other thing is I'm going to start for sure much more with the collaborative work because we will have that ability to do that. So. Yes, that's awesome. Well, for everyone who's listening, um, we will link in the show notes and in the blog post some more images because I know when we're listening to this, having this conversation, it's hard to, hard to envision it, but we'll share some links and some images so you can get to just more familiarize yourself and have that visual piece that I know is really important. So Jody, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you. I know this will be very beneficial to everyone who's listening. And I I do suspect you might be getting asked some questions in the Facebook group. Well, I'm happy to help. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Well, have a great day, Jody. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. That was so fun chatting with Jody. I just want to be a student in her classroom right now. It sounds like she has given so much autonomy to her students and that they are thriving in the self-paced environment. And I am excited to see what she does next year um, with the ability to collaborate and just do so many more um, face-to-face I, uh, activities. So thanks for listening. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please take a minute to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you may be tuning in. Our Maneuvering the Middle team is loving the new format, and I am super excited about these teacher spotlights this summer. So thank you for doing the good work that you do in your classroom. We are enthusiastic and excited to support you. 
Your downloads, rating, and general enthusiasm keeps us going. So be sure to rate us and subscribe. For all of the links, resources, and freebies mentioned today in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode 20. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.